0: That's great. Thank you, guys. What a fun way to learn that. We are in our 40 Days of Purpose Spiritual Growth Campaign, and we're talking about God's five purposes uh, for our lives. Last week, we looked at God's first purpose for your life, which is to know Him and to love Him. And to know God and to love God, that's worship. Today, we're going to look at the second purpose that God has for your life, and that's the purpose of fellowship. You were formed for God's family. Uh, Let's read uh, Hebrews 2.10, verses on your outlines up on the screen. Let's read that out loud together. God is the one who made all things, and all things are for his glory. He wanted to have many children share his glory. God wanted a family. That's why we're here. That's why we're created. Because God wanted children to share in His glory. He wanted them to be a part of His family. Now, look at the next verse. Let's see here, Ephesians 1 5. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into His own family by bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. God's desire has been that we would become His children. You know, you don't become God's child just by being born physically, okay? That's not how you become God's child. You become God's child when you are adopted into His family through your faith in Jesus Christ. God is creating a spiritual family. That makes the whole story of the Bible is the story of God creating a spiritual family for Himself. History is the story of God building a spiritual family for himself, family that's not just going to be here on earth, but a forever and ever family in eternity. Now, once you get started on God's first purpose for your life, which is worship, then God wants you to get started practicing the second purpose of your life, and that's fellowship. Uh, We find that in 1 Peter 2, 17. Read this one with me. Love your spiritual family. God's second purpose for your life is He wants you to learn to love your spiritual family. Now, why is there such an emphasis on the spiritual family? Because the physical family is not going to last. The physical family is not designed for eternity. Uh, Many physical families don't even make it here on earth. Uh, It's just a harsh reality that physical families don't last. They fall apart. But your spiritual family, that family is going to last forever. It is eternal. You're going to spend far more time with your spiritual family than you will ever spend with your earthly family. So God wants you to learn to love the people that you're going to spend eternity with. Now why? Why does he want us to learn to love each other? Well, first, it makes us more like God. Because God is love, God is loving, and when we love one another, we, we become more like God. Second, uh, God wants his children to learn to get along. Parents, you understand that. Don't you want your children to learn to get along? Yeah, it's important. And so does our Heavenly Father. And third, it is practice for eternity. When you learn how to love other believers here, it is practice for eternity. One of the things you're going to do in heaven forever is love God. The other thing you're going to do in heaven forever is love other believers. Uh, It it is an eternal thing. Heaven is going to be a place of love. So write this down. My second purpose in life is fellowship. First purpose, worship. Second purpose, fellowship. Fellowship is the Bible word for loving uh, God's family. A fellowship is loving God's family. Uh, read 1 John 4.21. Let's read this out loud. The person who loves God must also love other believers. We're supposed to love other believers. Now, how do we do that? Well, Paul wrote to Timothy. Timothy was a young pastor, and Paul wrote to Timothy, and he said this. He says, I'm writing so that you'll know how to live in the family of God. That family is the church. Now, that's important. Circle the word family and church and then draw a line tying those two together because the church is a family. The church is not a building. The church is not an institution. It's not an organization. The church is not a club. The church is a family. You know, people say, I'm going to go to church as if church is a place that you would go to. Church is not a place you go to. Church is a family family that you belong to. Big difference. Now, in God's family, there are four levels of fellowship. And we're going to look at them uh, today, the different levels of fellowship. The first level of fellowship, the basic starting point of fellowship, is membership. Choosing to belong. That's the most basic level of fellowship. You find a local church family, and you choose to get connected to it. Ephesians 2.19. You are members of God's very own family, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. You belong. You know, church. Uh, the, the idea of being a Christian, the idea of, of, of the church, is not just a matter of believing. It is a matter of belonging. Fellowship begins with making the choice to belong. Membership is a choice. Now I'll hear people say, well, you know, uh, I'm a Christian and, and I, I believe in Jesus, but I don't want to belong to any church. Folks, that, that does not make any sense. That, that's not like saying, I'm a football player, but I don't want to belong to any team. Uh, I'm a tuba player, but I don't want to belong to an orchestra. You ever hear the tuba play by itself? They don't sell many CDs. Yeah. Or I'm a soldier but I don't want to be part of any platoon. A, a Christian without a church family doesn't make any sense. Now, in the, the next week in the Purpose Driven Life book, we're going to be reading together uh, about six reasons why you need to be part of a church family. Uh, the Bible tells us in Romans 12:5, In Christ, we who are many form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We all belong to all the others. We are members together. Do you know the word membership? Uh, in, in, in the English language, the word membership is, uh, has a biblical roots. You know, we use it in the, in the secular realm. But it is a biblical word, a biblical terminology. It literally comes from where the Bible says that we are members of Christ's body. Just like my hand is a member of my body. That's how close the connection is as believers. And so we are tied together. It is about choosing to belong to each other. And if you want to grow, if you want to see God work in your life, membership is the first step towards significant spiritual growth because growth and character are always based on commitment. The commitment of membership to a local church is the starting point for real spiritual growth in your life. And Jesus Christ loves the church. And you and I need to have the same kind of love for the church that Christ has for it. Christ calls the church his body. Christ calls the church his bride. We need to have that same kind of love and respect and appreciation and awe and reverence for the church that Christ has. I mean, what if I said to you, you know, I love you, but I don't like your body? That—that's not helpful. That's hurtful. That's an insult. That's cruel. Jesus Christ says the church is His body. Christ loves the church. What if I said to you, well, you know, I, I love you, but I don't like your wife. That's not helpful. That's hurtful. That's insulting. That doesn't draw us closer together. That, that, that drives a wedge between us. Well, the, the, the church is Christ's bride. Christ loves his church. And you and I need to have the same kind of love for Christ's body and for Christ's bride as he has by deciding, choosing to belong. Now, there's a picture that we have that symbolizes the idea of, of us being incorporated into the fellowship of the church, becoming part of the body and the bride of Christ. And that picture is called baptism. Baptism is a picture of the fact that we belong to the body of Christ. Look what 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says. It says, this is what we proclaimed in word and action when we were baptized. When, when, when we get baptized, what is it that we are saying? What is it that we are proclaiming through that act? What is the meaning of that act? Each of us is now a part of his resurrection body. You know, baptism is a public way of saying, I belong to the church, the body of Christ. I am a member of the church. That's why baptism is a requirement for membership. That's why baptism is done as an ordinance of the church, not just at home alone in the bathtub. It is a public profession that you belong to the body of Christ. That's that's the import of baptism. Uh, Romans 6.3 says it this way. It says, that's what baptism into the life of Jesus means. When we're lowered into the water, it is like the burial of Jesus. When we are raised up out of the water, it is like the resurrection of Jesus. Baptism is a way of proclaiming, I'm done with the old, I'm taking on the new. And it is a visible uh, symbol of the commitment that a person has made in their heart to the church, to the body of Christ. Baptism was, I'm not ashamed to be a believer of Christ. I'm not ashamed to belong to the body and the bride of Christ. Now, if you're a believer and you've never been baptized by immersion, I would encourage you to sign up this weekend on the communication card. Because on Sunday, June 17th, uh, in the evening, at the Belton Community Center, it's our first pool night in the summer, we always start our pool nights with uh, with baptisms. And you can take care of this issue. You can make that public proclamation of your inward decision, your commitment to Christ, uh, His body, and His bride. Now, if you're not a member of Rothbrook Church then uh, I would encourage you to take our membership class and sign our membership covenant. Choose to belong here. Our next membership class is going to be on Sunday, July 8th. Okay, we're going to finish up this 40 days campaign. You can finish up this campaign, and then on Sunday afternoon, July 8th, from 2 to 5, you can come and take the membership class and then sign our membership covenant, and you can choose to belong to this local church. It's the first level of fellowship. It is the most basic step of fellowship. Now, the second level of fellowship goes a little bit deeper, and that's the level of friendship, learning to share. Uh, Acts 2.44 says, All the believers met together constantly and shared everything with each other. Circle the phrases, met together and shared. See, you can't develop fellowship if you don't meet together. And you can't develop fellowship without sharing. And the more frequently that you meet together, the more you share life together, the closer, the deeper your fellowship is going to be. You know, you'll see people who have friendships, long-term, deep friendships that last 20, 30, 40 years. And, man, how lucky are those people? How lucky they are to have such long-lasting, deep friendships. Folks, luck has nothing to do with it. It's a choice. It's a choice that they make. You choose to develop friendships by making time for them. You've got to make time for fellowship. You've got to meet together. You have to share life together. And until you start making fellowship a priority in your life, you're not going to develop any deep friendships because they just don't happen until you choose to make them happen. It takes time. It's not luck. It's time. It's a choice. And you can't have deep fellowships without sharing. It says they shared everything. Now, parents know that sharing is one of the fundamental lessons that children have to learn in life. You can tell how mature a child is, how far along they are in life's development, by how much they understand the importance of sharing. It's a sign of maturity when you learn how to share. Every child has to learn it. God wants his children to learn how to share. The Bible is full of things that we're to share as Christians. I want to talk specifically about three today. First, the Bible says we're to share our experiences. Our experiences. People learn from one another. Just as iron sharpens iron. You know, you've heard the phrase, it's wise to learn from your mistakes. And that's true. But it's even wiser to learn from the mistakes of other people. Uh, You know, when you learn from the mistakes of other people, now you're really moving into wisdom. Because you don't have time to make all the mistakes yourself. If you're going to go through life and you're going to have to learn everything personally by trial and error, you're going to go through a lot of problems unnecessarily. And about the time you finally figure out how to live, you'll be dead. Yes, you don't have time to do all of that on your own. Uh, God says you've got to learn quicker. And the way you learn quicker is from uh, the experiences of other people. Nobody knows everything. You know, we're all ignorant on just on different subjects. Uh, you know things I don't know. I know things you don't know. The person sitting next to you knows things that the two of us don't know. And so we are to share our experiences together. That's wise, and that's part of biblical fellowship. Second, the Bible says we're to share our homes. 1 Peter 4 9. Open up your homes to each other. Now, it doesn't say open up your home if it is a really, really nice home. It doesn't say open up your home if it's a really, really cool, clean, neat home. No. It just says open up your homes. Why? Why does God want us to share our homes? Because you cannot fellowship in a crowd. Uh, you can only fellowship in a small group or, or even one-on-one. You know, we are not doing fellowship here this weekend. Uh, the purpose of these gatherings is not fellowship. I mean, it is impossible to fellowship with this many people. We've got 250 people coming to four services over th- uh, two days with 15 minutes in between. Okay? That, that is not uh, conducive to fellowship. In fact, our purpose this weekend is not fellowship. Our purpose this weekend is worship. Our purpose this weekend is discipleship. You know, we can celebrate together like this. We can learn together like this. But fellowship isn't the primary purpose here this weekend. Fellowship takes place in a small group, preferably in a home. Because that's where you really get to know people, in the comfort and in the informality of a home realize that for the first 300 years of the church, there were no church buildings? The first church was built 300 years after Christ started the church. And for the first 300 years, the church met in homes. And I don't think it's any accident that was the period of the most explosive growth in the history of the church. Okay. That's how important, this idea of meeting me in homes. That's why we tell you over and over again, get into a small group. Because that's a biblical principle. That is the biblical uh, atmosphere, the biblical uh, place where fellowship happens. Christians are supposed to meet in homes. Now, especially in our day, this is important. Because neighbors can live next door to each other in our day. They can live there for years. And with automatic garage door openers, you just pull in, shut the door, get out, do whatever you need to, open the door, drive off. You, You can live in your house and never even have to speak to your neighbor. That's why the Bible says, open up your homes. Do it intentionally. Now, how many of you are in a 40 Days of Purpose small group? If you're in a 40 Days of Purpose small group, put your hand, put it way up, put it way up, and give me a little wave because it just makes me smile to see all these hands go up. This is so cool. Yeah. Now, I want to honor a special group of people. If you're hosting a small group in your home, would you stand up? If you're hosting a small group in your home, just stand up. Yeah, wherever you are. Yeah. There's the heroes right there. Thank you. You Be seated. You know, when you're thinking about getting into a small group, there's just something that's scary about that. You know, you just don't know who's going to be at the group and what's going to happen and what's going to be expected of you. Well, when these people hosted their home, they've moved to a whole level of fear because, you know, you're going to open your home, you don't know who's going to come to that group. I mean, look around. But they have chosen to move against their fear and open their home in response to to the biblical command to do so. So I I just think that's great and it just speaks well of our church. Now, not only do we uh, share our experiences uh, in homes, but the Bible also says we're to share our problems. Read this verse with me. Share each other's troubles and problems. Now, notice that God hasn't told you to fix everybody's problems. That is not what that verse says. The Bible doesn't say solve each other's problems. It just says what, share them. Yeah, you don't have to fix it. Just share it. One of the amazing principles of the Christian life is is that when you share a joy with someone, the joy is doubled. And when you share a problem with someone, the problem is halved. Isn't that amazing? And God is just so wise. He says we are to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. And so sometimes in your small group, you just die of laughter. And sometimes in your small group, you're crying. It just depends on what's going on in your small group. Now, you're not going to get to this second level of fellowship until you get plugged into a small group. Hebrews 10.25 says, let us not give up the habit of meeting together. Instead, let us encourage one another. One of the primary purposes of getting plugged into a small group is you encourage one another. It says don't give up the habit. And it's my prayer that those of you who are starting a new habit in this campaign of meeting in these small groups, that you won't give up the habit, that you'll stay the course on this because we all need encouragement. It's the second level of fellowship, friendship, learning to share. Third level is partnership. Doing my part. Uh, your partnership is realizing I've got a contribution to make uh, that the family of God needs me to do. You know, God did not bring you to Rockbrook just to be an attendee. God brought you here to be a, m- a member, specifically to make a difference in this church through your life. In every family, there are family responsibilities. You know, in a family, you divide up the chores. You do your part, you do your part, you do your part. And that's what happens uh, in a family in order to make it work. Now, what happens in the family when you have people who shirk their responsibility? Well, it creates tension. It creates conflict. The family becomes dysfunctional. Well, you need to do your part. The the church is a Christian family. It's God's family. We all have a part in it. First Corinthians three nine says, We are partners. Working together for God. So about of that word, partners. Uh, in, in the Greek, the word partner and the word fellowship are closely connected. Do you ever want to be part of a great team? You know, do you ever want to be part of a team that wins the championship or a team that wins the Super Bowl or the World Series? Uh, you know, uh, guys just love the idea of being part of a great team. When you, when you become part of the church, you're part of the greatest team there ever was. I mean. You know, you win some major championship in sports as a team. Well, guess what? You know, that only lasts for one season. You know, the next year, there's a whole new round of games. There's a whole new champion the next year. I mean, that's what that championship means. But what we do in the church is going to last forever. We get to be part of God's plan for the universe when we partner together in the family of God. But in order to partner together, you've got to make the commitment of membership. And then you've got to to, to, uh, learn to share life together, and then you've got to do your part. You've got to move from being an attender to being a member. You move from being a spectator to being a participator. You move out of the sidelines. You move off the bench. You move into the game. And it's when you make the commitment to membership and begin to serve that you really begin to make happy. And no parent was ever excited about their kids sitting in the stands or standing along the sidelines. No, No father ever said, my kid watches a game like nobody else. You know, no one is a better spectator than my kid. No, parents get excited when the kid gets in the game. Same thing's true with God. God's desire for you is not that you will attend church any more than a parent's desire is that their kid will attend a game. God's desire is that you will get in the game, that you will move from being a spectator to being a participator. Ephesians 4.16 The whole body is fitted together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So takes each, each one of us doing our part, each part, that's you, that's me, we are part of God's body, and it's working together that we get the things done that God wants the church to do. You have a role, you have a position to play in the body of Christ, and when we cooperate, when we all get involved, we, we can do far more together than we can do by ourselves. You know, there's a hard attitude that drives this. Uh, Mother Teresa uh, spent her life working with the poorest of the poor in Calcutta, India. I mean just in horrible conditions with people who, who had horrible diseases, leprosy and just horrible situations. And she was asked, how do you handle the death and the disease on a daily basis? How, how do you minister uh, to these people uh, with, with these horrible sicknesses? How do you do this day in and day out for a lifetime? Her answer was, every person I bathe, every person I bandage, I imagine seeing the face of Christ, and I do it for Him. Wow. That's the biblical principle of Matthew twenty-five forty. Just as you did it to one of the least of these who are the members of my family, you did it for me. You, when you serve the church the body of Christ. You're serving Christ. That's why you can't claim to love Christ and then ignore the body, ignore the church. It does not make any sense. And so I want to encourage you to just make it a practical action step that flows out of this campaign. If you're not a member of Rockbrook, start making plans now to take our membership class on July 8th. You know, just start planning now to clear your schedule that afternoon from 2 to 5 so that you can sign up, take the class, and get connected to the body. You know, if you're a member and, and you're not serving into a ministry, then you need to start moving around the bases of our life development process. You need to you know, get, get fit through our, our maturity classes, and then you need to get plugged into ministry and find your shape for service. You need to get off the sidelines and get in the game. Begin to experience the deeper level of fellowship that comes from the partnership of serving. Now, the deepest level of fellowship in the family of God is called kinship. Uh, it's the idea of the next of kin, a really close family relationship, a close spiritual family relationship. Kinship is loving believers like family. Family. Acts 2.42 says, they were like family to each other. Or Romans 12.10, be devoted to each other like a loving family. Biblical fellowship is when we become as committed to each other as we are to Jesus Christ. That's the goal of fellowship, that we become as committed to one another as we are to Jesus Christ. You know, it's that level of being willing to sacrifice for the body, for one another. That's kinship. Now, every believer knows John 3.16. I mean, you know, God so loves the world, and we all know that. But every believer needs to know 1 John 3.16. Look at this. We know what real love is because Christ gave up his life for us. And we ought to give up our lives for our Christian brothers and sisters. And this is the deepest level of fellowship, where we are sacrificing for one another. It's the kind of love that Jesus Christ had for you. Christ gave His life for you. We need to give our lives, live our lives, for our brothers and sisters in Christ. That's kinship. It's the deepest level of fellowship. Now, how do you do that? How do you get to that deepest level? Well, it really flows out of the fellowship of suffering. It flows out of... fact that as a church and as a church family, we stand with one another in the really tough times. You know, that deep fellowship when everybody else is walking out on somebody, that's when you walk in. That's the idea of this deep fellowship. It's what what life is all about, knowing and loving God and knowing and loving one another. And if you miss that, you've missed the purpose of your life. Because life is not about accomplishments. Life is not about to-do lists life is about relationships it's about ministering to the body of Christ you were put on this earth to know and love God and you were put on this earth to know and love the family of God because that's who we're going to spend eternity with now how do you know if you're in God's family how do you personally know if you're into this fellowship you know what's the identifier what's the fruit look what the bible says 1 John 3.10, anyone who does not love other Christians does not belong to God. That's what the Bible says. If you don't love other believers, you don't belong to God. 1 John 4.20, those who do not love their brothers and sisters whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have never seen. You know, if you can't love other people who are standing right here in front of you, then you can't love God who... You can't see. 1 John three fourteen. But if we love our Christian brothers, it proves that we have passed from death to eternal life. Deep fellowship is the proof of our faith. It's the fruit of our faith. And one of the greatest privileges after salvation that you'll ever be offered in life is the privilege of being part of God's family, the church, the body, the bride of Christ. So let me ask you a question. Where are you at in these levels? Have you even made uh, the first choice of choosing to belonging? Or are you just kind of hanging back as an attender? You've never taken the membership class, never signed the membership covenant. Just show up and spectate but don't participate. You know, uh, uh, there's a reason why people do that. Now, I've been pastoring for about fifteen to twenty years—I can't remember which—but my experience has been that the people who don't become members of the local church that they attend, there's a reason. There's a reason, and the reason is never because they are so spiritually mature that they don't have to. Okay, the reason is is, is maybe they just don't understand. They've just never been taught the biblical principle, the importance of membership and what it means to make a commitment, to choose to belong to a local church. Or maybe there's a hurt or a wound. Uh, you know, maybe they've been hurt or wounded by another church, and so they're, they're not going to do that again. And they're holding back out of fear of, of being hurt again. Uh, maybe there's a sin. Uh, sometimes, you know, if I get too close, if I get too involved in here, my sin's going to be exposed. I'm going to have to deal with it. Uh, I, I'm, hol- I'm holding back. Maybe it's just I'm too busy, it's just a lack of commitment. But when people won't take the step of membership, there is always a reason. And the reason is never because they're so healthy, so spiritually mature that they don't need to. What is it that is holding you back? What is that hindrance that's keeping you from getting connected with the body of Christ here at Rockford? I just pray that over the course of this 40 days that you'll ask God to reveal that to you and give you the courage, give you the healing that you need to move past that. So that on July 8th, you can take that membership class and you can move to the next level of fellowship that God wants you to have. God's desire is that we work together as a body to care for one another, to minister to one another, and to do great things in our world. And we long for you to be a part of that. And it comes with the commitment. Now, sometimes I'll have people who will say, you you know, I I, I don't need to do that. Uh, You know, I have have a family. I don't need to be in a small group. I have family. Uh, Let me tell you what my experience has been. Sometimes crises are bigger than your family. Sometimes crises come in and they wipe out the family. And sometimes family just isn't enough. You need a bigger support group. You know, I've got a great family. I've got a strong family. Every person in my family is in a small group, their own small group. In fact, every person in my family, except my youngest, is leading a small group. I'm in two small groups. I lead one and I go to another one. We are are intentionally building a support network. We are intentionally building the body of Christ by pouring into the lives of other people and letting them pour into our lives through the biblical purpose of fellowship. It's one of God's purposes for your life. It's one of the great benefits, one of the great gifts that God gives us in our lives. The opportunity to connect and fellowship with the body and the bride of Christ. Let's pray together. Father, next to salvation, the greatest gift that you've given to us is the church, the opportunity to be a part of your family. And God, I would pray that you'd help us not to go through life disconnected from from the body and bride of Christ, not isolated out on our own, but God, that we would get plugged into the family of God. Now, I just invite you to pray. Maybe you just need to say, God, I want to be a part of your family. I want to learn to love my spiritual family just like you do. So, God, I just bring to you today my hurts, my wounds, my fears, my indifference. God, I just bring to you whatever it is that is hindering me from getting connected. God, I pray that you'd help me to set that aside and help me to choose to belong, to become part of the body. God, I want to come home. In Jesus' name we pray.